Welcome to the Lowdown Fantasy Football Podcast. We are excited to be here with you today to do a special DFS-focused show for Week 10. I am Kevin Scott. Here with me is my co-host Kyle Leith. How are you, Kyle? I'm good. It's glad to be back. And after a week off, because, you know, the world is just such a crazy place, it's good to be focusing on football again and not staying up late into the night trying to figure out who won what. So (laughs) we're not a political show and... We're not going to talk about what side of the fence we fall on, but I am just glad that it's relieved and that's, I'm just relieved that it's finally over. I don't have to think about it anymore. And now I can waste all my time on waiver wires <laughs> instead of watching like CNN. Yeah, we're getting down to the home stretch here. I've gotten to the point where I'm not doing much waiver wire uh, anything anymore because I'm pretty much out of money. But, um, you know, hopefully my rosters are, are pretty set or close enough that I can make a, a run at the at some championships in these leagues. How are you how are you looking overall with all your leagues? Um pretty good. I actually had a few good weeks. It's always too soon to tell. I mean I'm not gonna have the year I was having last year because of injuries, but mm-hmm. uh worst case scenario, hopefully I can break even and when you're doing high stakes like GPP style things, that is usually considered a success. Once we get to the big playoffs or the bigger prizes, you know all bets are off. Who knows what will happen? Right. Just depends who gets hot, right? Absolutely. And hopefully those will be guys that I have. Exactly. Talking about waiver wires, you didn't miss much. One reason <laughs> we didn't do a waiver wire show is because it would have lasted all of like five or ten minutes. I mean. Yeah, it really starts to dry up this time of year. I mean, you got pretty much uh, all the guys uh, snapped up, even in guys that you know hit early that kind of faded uh those guys aren't going to be that excited to pick up again so yeah it's hit, and, hitting those the, early wave wires is much better yeah and the leagues were in people weren't people were not dropping mike davis so there wasn't anybody like that it was uh pretty much just which leagues had jacoby myers left and that was that was the question right yeah as, as we get ready for this uh you know ramping up to the playoffs man these wins become so important so uh, clearly if you have any, uh, money left or if you're in leagues with, you know, first come first serve waivers kind of thing, you certainly should still be scouring those, um, those waiver wires, but yeah, it's going to be slim pickings at this point today. We just wanted to kind of do a little bit different show and focus on uh, DFS because, you know, at this point, uh, you, you pretty much have what you have in your, in your, uh, redraft leagues and dynasty leagues. You're going to hopefully, you know, make some smart lineup decisions and uh, as we go along, we thought this uh, focusing on DFS would also help with that. You know, talking about who we who we really like this week, who's good plays would also help with setting lineups uh, in, in that vein. So we're going to just jump in one position at a time, quarterback all the way through defense. And hopefully, if you're interested in DFS, this will be uh, this will be a fun show as well. So Kyle's going to get us started here with quarterback. Absolutely. And I'm just thrilled for this because this is sort of my specialty. So we're getting away from the dynasty stuff where Kevin's the expert. And moving into what I've been doing full-time for quite a while. So let's start with quarterback. And there are three chalk plays this week, which I would say about 60 to 70% of all ownership for quarterbacks will revolve around. I expect Kyler Murray, who is 8K on DraftKings, who is home versus Buffalo, to be the most owned guy. Followed by Russell Wilson, who is at the Rams, who is 7.7K. And then Josh Allen, who is 78 5k and he's on the other side of the matchup against arizona so the kyler murray versus josh allen matchup should soak up probably i got like almost maybe half the overall ownership of 
all quarterbacks this week. Mm-hmm. So those are the clear top three in terms of who people are going to be playing, though there are great pivots, other options, and we like a lot of guys. So, Kevin, who are your top plays? Yeah, I was just going to mention, um, you know, as far as uh, the Kyler Murray and Josh Allen thing, I mean, that's a humongous over-under. I heard that it had been bet up by three or four points already. So uh, that that makes sense that that matchup is going to be heavily targeted. Uh, so, I mean, Kyler Murray is one of my favorite plays. Uh, the fact that he's only 8, 8K on DraftKings and then you don't really have any gap. You know, you go 7,900 7, to Rodgers and then 77 to Wilson and 75 to Allen. It kind of just goes down step by step, whereas he's been the clear cut uh, leader in points all year. Um, the the rushing upside, he's basically doing a Lamar Miller. I'm sorry, Lamar Jackson from last season, but doing a little better because he's throwing the ball better. So, uh, yeah, I think he's he's kind of a no brainer start, whether GPP or cash. It's a, it's a great uh, play. Um, another guy I like in, in the mid range would be, um, would be golf at 6,500, uh, mainly because he's, he hasn't been great this year, but he's playing Seattle. Um, and they have one of the worst pass defenses in the league. They've been bottom five all season. Um, and on the flip side of that, they're an awesome offense. So you almost always get shootouts against Seattle. It just sets up very nicely for golf at a pretty affordable price. What do you think about him? Well, Let's start with uh, Murray, and you mentioned some really good things about Murray. He is the highest ceiling on the slate at uh, 39 um, by my uh, by my metrics and uh, looking at some of the more popular models around, uh, around the industry. So I love his ceiling, and he's actually probably worth the 8K. And uh, ownership in uh, DFS at quarterback never really gets that high when you really think about it. It's not like NBA where you know, 50, 60% of ownership on a guy is pretty much the norm. So I wouldn't let that scare you away. In terms of a mid-range guy, I think Goff is a pretty good option. He's going to be like 5 to 8% owned, nothing crazy. And he's going to be in sort of like the middle where it'll give you some unique lineups. I see most people going high on the three guys I said, or I expect them dropping down to under 6K for some of the more cheap budget options. So you're going to get a unique lineup if you um, end up using Goff. Mm-hmm. And I also like the fact that you can pair him with Woods. I think he's a, a great way to have a unique lineup, and I think he's a good option for GPPs, though his lack of running would make me a hard pass in cash games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another uh, another uh, play and we, we can go through this um, kind of the board and see if there's other plays that we like in general but another one I had written down was Drew Locke if you're wanting to go cheap um, he's he's not a very good quarterback I know you as a Broncos fan do not oh, like terrible. him <laughs> do not like him, have him at all as a, as a talent but you know there uh, he's been chucking it especially in garbage time and the guy has an arm he he now has several quality weapons that he's meshing with Judy's looked really good the last couple weeks KJ Hamler looked really good last week. Uh, Noah Fant's been banged up, but he's a great player. And then Tim Patrick is actually their, you know, outside uh, starter opposite Judy. So a lot of good, um, good guys to throw to. And Las Vegas has been pretty good on offense. They've been scoring a lot of points, and they're one of the worst again on defense. So I think Denver could be in comeback mode again. He makes for a, a good like dart throw in a GPP if you are looking to go cheap. He's actually uh, one of my favorite value plays this week, but I might actually have Derek Carr on the uh, other side of the ball slightly uh, higher. 
at least in terms of a median projection. I do like the ceiling on both. A projection of 51 for a Broncos game, if you watch them, that's it, it just feels high. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they've been having to have some comebacks and shootouts and you talking up the Broncos pass game without Sutton being there is just sort of painful. Um, but I like the game as like a very under-owned shootout. And if you look at the projections for the teams, you're getting these guys at probably 1%, 2% ownership. I, I can't see either one being over 3%. So if you hit on these guys and for whatever reason, the Arizona-Buffalo game turns into a blowout or... You know, if we are looking at like Russell Wilson having one of those games where they're they just take such a big lead or they have all their touchdowns go on the run to like Carson or whoever is starting for them, mm-hmm. it could be a really good pivot for value and uh would let you spend up elsewhere. Right. The one guy that I've got that you haven't really mentioned, uh you're probably gonna hate this, is Carson Wentz. He's sort of my sleeperish low-owned guy of the week. Um, he's 5.9K. Now, people are going to be scared off, especially in DFS, because the over-under is 44 and a half. Um, that's probably, I think, the second lowest on the whole slate. Um, but the Eagles are projected for 24 points. I expect Wentz to be sub-5% ownership. And uh, here's the case for him. He's been a, not a really, he's been a bad real-life quarterback. I think we both can agree on that. Mm-hmm. And we can also probably agree that the New York Giants have a, probably a better defense than most people realize, and it's an in-division rematch. So all of those are, you know, red flags. But Wentz is coming off a bye week. The team is getting healthy. He had 32 fantasy points in the matchup three weeks ago. And, you know, you can pair him with guys like Fulgham, who actually would be a great pivot because he's overpriced this week at sixty two hundred. But but stacking him with uh, Goddard, um, Goddard, um, how do you say his name? Goddard. Goddard. Yeah. I always want to say Godair, like, like <laughs> French, like Godard is who I've been calling him for years. I don't know why, but pairing uh, Wentz with Goddard, who's going to be a popular tight end play anyway, is a great chance to get something low owned. Now, if you're doing cash games. I would probably just stick with uh, Kyler or Allen or Wilson and just uh, eat the chalk. Yeah, I like Wentz a lot. Actually, I had him as one of the top values. People people think of the Giants as a pretty good defense, but they're 28th in DVOA against the pass. Uh, the reason that they've um, they've seemed to shut down a lot of receivers is is uh, Bradbury has been a great corner. He's been playing their top guy. So I could actually see Fulgham getting shadowed this week. Uh, I was going to mention that later. I like, um, I do like Wentz though because he has other guys he can throw to. Rager is back in the mix, and like you said, Goddard. So yeah, it's a good, it's a good play. Um, I don't know if you have any other uh, quarterbacks you want to mention before we pivot, but um, a couple other guys I had down were, were Justin Herbert uh, against Miami, sixty six hundred. Miami's defense has been good. Uh, but uh, Herbert has been good also, and this could easily turn into a bit of a shootout uh, as neither defense is excellent. And then the other guy was Roethlisberger because he's playing the Bengals. If the Bengals decide to you know, focus on stopping the run, then Roethlisberger could end up um, having to throw it a lot, especially if Burrow is successful throwing. So I don't know what you think, think about those guys or if you have any other you want to mention. I, I like them both, and uh, this might be a week to go back to Tom Brady. And I hate saying that because I don't like Tom Brady, but after last week, people are going to be off him. He's playing at Carolina. 
Yeah, I didn't even and, see him. Uh, I was blind to him. Yes, I think most people will be blind to him after last week. I mean, hmm. when you when you lay an egg that big in a primetime game, you know, right. it sticks in people's heads. And people are really high on Brady before that game. And they still have all those weapons. Mm-hmm. Nothing has changed. It was one bad game. Hopefully one of many more to come. He but, usually rebounds, too. Yeah, um, He's just one of those guys where people will forget about him. And uh, don't be surprised if he has a comeback. Yeah, I, I think that's a good good call. The, oh, one other guy I was going to mention, uh, Tua, is a really risky play, but he's cheap, 5,600, and um, if he if he uh, has to throw a lot against the Chargers, if Herbert is hot, then he could be a nice, uh, nice tournament play. We definitely uh, covered most of the good running backs. Now that we've done that, we're probably going to watch like Daniel Jones go for 40 against the Eagles <laughs> and mess everything up. So let's move on to running back. Now... Running back is interesting this week. I, uh, we both looked at the running back player, uh, running back player pool, and uh, one thing sort of stood out to us. And if it stood out to us within two seconds, it's going to stand out to everybody. And that's Mike Davis, who's going to be the highest owned player, probably the entire season. And I'm still probably going to play 100 percent of him. So Mike Davis, free square. At 4K, ultimate shock. Prices were released before the injury news to uh, McCaffrey, who was out. Play him. Don't think about it. Don't ask questions. Just do it. Don't hurt yourself. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, that even if he gets you 12 points, right, that's three times his price. Um, that's, that still pays off. And he could. And there's a chance he gets six points. I mean, the Tampa Bay defense is excellent, and that's the only thing that gives me pause with Davis. But, he catches too many passes. Yeah, I mean, at least early in the season, he was doing very similar to McCaffrey with the with the pass catching. Yeah, I, I just can't see him finishing below 10. He's safe, but uh, moving on from the obvious, the other chalk plays are probably going to be Aaron Jones. I expect him to be like 30 to 40% owned, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a little higher. He's only 7.1K, which feels pretty cheap in a matchup against Jacksonville. His uh, price probably should be higher, but I think it's been reduced because he came back from injury and, um, you know, all those sort of things. Mm-hmm. And I think Duke Johnson is going to be maybe the third most owned player this week. I could see him getting up to 40% ownership. And he's only 5K, and he's going to be my fate of the week. But we'll we'll get back to that. And the last player that I'd consider chalk would be Alvin Kamara, 8.2K. He could probably get about a quarter of the ownership this week. So those are probably your big four with Mike Davis being the biggest of the bunch. So who do you like, Kevin? Interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, I, um, in response to Kamara, I did not think he'd be chalk. It'll be interesting to see what his ownership is because, you know, on DraftKings, they show he's facing the first-ranked defense. I know San Francisco's taking a step back, but a lot of people just see that ranking and avoid it. Um, obviously, he's going to, He's going to get plenty of passes and all that, but um, that one could be a grind-out game, I feel like, so it'll be interesting to see how his ownership comes in. Some of my favorite plays, I, I totally agree. Aaron Jones, I think, is a great play. Um, the only the only reason that you'd always get give you know pause to Aaron Jones is that they always split the snaps. He, even though he's probably 100% healthy now, he's only going to play 50 to 60%, but he's still able to put up a huge game because of his explosiveness, so he's a great play. Kenyon Drake is a guy that... I wrote down as um, a potential really nice play if he's back and starting. And if he's not, Chase Edmonds is a, is a good play. It's just that Chase Edmonds is at 6,300, uh, while Drake is all the way down at 49. So just from a value perspective, I really like 
Um, I, I like Drake's upside if he's a starter at that price. And the Buffalo D, he's playing against Buffalo. They've been terrible against the run and the pass. Um, so uh, I'll let you I'll let you go, and I, I can come back on the other side. Any that you really like this week in general? Well, for me, it's usually about who I don't like. And we'll, we'll get to that. But the one guy I do like that hasn't been mentioned is uh, DeAndre Swift. Hmm. He is 5.1K, which is only $100 more than Duke Johnson. And he has a matchup versus Washington. Now, I have his projection being the highest points per dollar player on the uh, slate at running back, with the exception of Mike Davis, who's just in a whole nother league. I like the matchup. I like the price. His usage has been going up consistently. And as a uh, GPP player, I the seeing him probably being sub 4% ownership is just really attractive. Hmm. And if you do a side-by-side comparison, like uh, if you look at projections, I've got Swift at like 14 to 16 kind of range. And uh, I actually have Duke Johnson in like uh, the 14 to 15 range. So they're similar price, but one's going to be one-tenth the ownership. Right. Makes sense. Now, I do believe that uh, Swift has a lower floor, though. Yeah, because of Patricia. Yeah, Patricia's the worst. Yeah, I mean, he he could literally give him two carries, yep, one target. That, not a cash game play, mind you. Right. Yeah, that's a good call. I had not uh, even considered him because of the fluctuation. But again, when you're playing GPP, uh, as long as there's potential for that upside and it's low ownership, you like it, right? Right. And one more name at that exact same price range, J.D. McKissick at 4900 If um, we find out that the... Um, Oh, Antonio Gibson, Gibson might be out. And tip, yeah, until Antonio Gibson had a shoulder injury, so if he is out, um, that would probably make McKissick, you know, almost uh, a chalk play as well. Yeah, and uh, even if Gibson is in with Alex Smith under center, it seems that he is back to his throwing to the running back all the time ways. Um, and Detroit is a terrible defense, so um, they could work the, their ball up the field going that that way. You know those short passes again. I, I don't even know if Alex Smith with it, with his leg issue has the kind of leg power, the drive to get it down the field. I haven't seen him take any deep shots. Uh, even his touchdown this past week uh, to McLaurin was you know 15 yard pass, and McLaurin just took. So I I'm yeah I I'm higher on McKissick than I thought I would be because of that, but. Not an exciting play, but yeah, it's a good good thought. I mean, at this point, I'd probably want the Detroit defense over anybody from Washington. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a few other plays I like. Uh, I um, I think that James Conner and James Robinson, um, they're so difficult to know how, how these games are going to play out, if the Steelers are going to have to pass or if they're going to be able to pin on the run. Conner's been so up and down. And then Robinson, you know, it's going to be – Fairly, um, I don't know what you think ownership might be, but kind of high ownership, I would say, uh, because he's been so consistent. I have him at sub 10%. Oh, yeah? Actually, a lot of it is just the price. He's 6,600, which is a kind of a weird price this range, um, this week. It's sort of like uh, if you're at 6,600, wouldn't you want to spend 500 more and just get it to Aaron Jones? Yeah, it's true. And then if you look at the names directly around him, I don't think people are going to be clicking on him. Mm -hmm. They're going to see Miles Sanders at 6,400. They are going to see Josh Jacobs at 6,500. Yeah, even Chubb at 68. Yeah. You know, so those names are a lot more appealing. Um, 
I got to say, James Robinson has been incredibly consistent this year, but he is not a sexy player. He is not someone people like to click for whatever reason, though he is winning people a lot of leagues. And he, he's a good cash game because he gets the touches or cash play. But I, GPP, I don't just I just don't think the, the ceiling is there, right? I mean, he's I think he's had a couple of games of 30 points, but those are all based on him getting targets the last couple of weeks. He's had very few uh, targets or receptions. So it just is a man. It's a, it's a very iffy play, especially with this the rookie Luton under center. You just don't know um, how this game's going to go, so it's a risky one. Um, I, I was going to ask you what you thought of uh, Gordon and Lindsay as potential value plays. Gordon's fifty two and Lindsay is five k. Um, nope. Not at all. No. Yeah, I mean, no. Nope. I was just thinking if because that hurt, defense is so yes. bad, the Raiders defense. Yeah, my my thought is uh, if I want a running back from the game, it would be uh, Josh Jacobs. For me to play a Broncos running back, I need one of them hurt. Right, yeah. I mean, it's hard to find a team that more that splits the carries more down the middle than the Broncos. I mean, you literally could believe that there, there's one coach on the bench that just stands next to the play caller and just checks off little like check boxes every yeah. time one of them has a run. And then it's like, nope, nope, you can't. You can't hand the ball off to Gordon. It's He's true. got five, and Lindsay's got four. Yeah, it's very we annoying. Hand it to Lindsay. They should just give it all to Lindsay. It's my opinion. He's the better back. That's right. Well, two other just uh, flyers. If you're like you know filling your lineup and you're like, man, I'm I only have four thousand left. I got to find somebody to stick in there. Um, two guys that are on my radar are Tremaine Pope um, from of the Chargers back. They they had. Uh, What's his name? Belage was there last week oh, because of the injury to Justin Jackson and played well, but they sent Belage back to the practice squad and elevated Pope again. Pope got almost all the touches the previous week uh, in, you know, when Belage wasn't there. And Jackson, it sounds like they're leaning towards sitting him this week. Pope is only 4,000 and is playing, at least the, the week he played, played a lot better than uh, Joshua Kelly. Um, against Miami defense. Now, Miami's decent, but they're better against the pass than the run. So at 4K, for me, he's a nice dart throw, especially in GPP, somebody that could easily return, you know, three or four times uh, salary. And then the other one was Cam Akers. Um, Henderson has not practiced yet this week. If he is out, Akers will play. And, you know, you still got Malcolm Brown there, but he's 4,200. So all you'd need is for him to, you know, get 70 yards and a touchdown kind of thing. What do you think on those? Not going to touch the Rams. Yeah. Uh, um, but seriously, how frustrated must the Justin Jackson owners be? I mean, I had very little of him, but if you want a case uh, against uh, like zero RB, you know, those guys spent like half their fab to go and get Justin Jackson for him to get like hurt on like the first play and get zeros. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah. And then you're like just thinking like, oh, I played Josh Kelly in a flex spot. And then at the end of the game, you like look at Kalen Bellage, who you just have nightmares about from his uh, time in Miami. <laughs> and he's the one dominating the game. Oh, it's painful. Yeah, it was pretty ugly. Yep. Do we have any uh, remaining thoughts at the running back position? I do not, if you don't. Uh, let's move on to wide receiver. Now, wide receiver is interesting this week. The There's no overwhelming chalk plays. The top guys are all between 20 to 25% ownership, and that would be uh, Lockett, who's probably going to be the most owned wide receiver on the slate, followed by Diggs, 
Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, and DK Metcalf. So those are the higher-priced, high-ownership guys. A lot of it's pretty obvious. Their ownership will be inflated because they are all the wide receivers for the top quarterbacks, and people have finally caught on over the last couple of years, and you can assume that about 80-90% of teams in GPPs are now stacking. So you'll see these guys all over the place. With that said, who do you like, Kevin? Yeah, it's interesting that you say that um, Lockett might be the most owned because, again, I was looking at these, um, you know, the DraftKings um, you know, system here and it shows him against the best defense against the pass. I think that that red first in the opponent ranking might throw a lot of people off his trail. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it, the, the super high um, over under. And, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is that Jalen Ramsey is most likely going to shadow DK. I, I'll still play DK in all my leagues where I have him. I mean, I think he's a he's an auto played regardless of opponent because the dude's just a machine and he's huge and he can beat anybody. But Lockett, this is one of those games where you could easily see uh, him just soaking up tons of targets because he's going to have a, a lesser uh, slot uh, corner against him and he should be able to take advantage of that. Plus, it might be a shootout um, as most of these Seahawks games are. Another player, uh, two, actually both of the uh, receivers from um, D- Denver I really like, Judy uh, and KJ Hamler. Judy's coming in at 5,600. I know I, I said both. I didn't mention Tim Patrick. I just think KJ Hamler is a great possession receiver already, really working well with Locke, and this this is going to be a another potential shootout. So I like both those guys at 5,600 and 3,800. Um, those are some of my favorites. Who, who, who do you like as far as uh, just your favorite plays? My favorite play might be uh, Devontae Parker this week. He's uh, 5.1K. He's not someone I've really been on much this year, but I see him as a, uh, I mean, he's actually 5K, uh, not even 5.1. So he's a 5K play. He's going to be about 5% ownership, I would guess. And the reason I like him this week is because Preston Williams was put on the IR. Mm-hmm. And uh, this feels like a sort of a replay of last year where when Parker finally was able to control the um, wide receiver position and didn't have to worry about, you know, touches going and targets going to other people, he really started to take hold and dominate. So I could see a pretty good game from him. I, I mean, who else are they going to throw to? Um, you know, Gasecki, I'd love it, but it hasn't really happened. Jakeem Grant, there, there's just not that much there. And I see the Chargers taking a lead. So Devontae Parker is one person I like. Yeah, I like that. Um, my question for you is, who do you like between Lockett and Metcalf? Now, the reason Lockett's more owned is because he's surprisingly cheap. He's 6.5K, and Metcalf is 7.6K. That's a huge price gap mm-hmm. for D, um, for DraftKings. So I personally like Metcalf more, and in GPPs, I would want to play Metcalf because I think his ownership will be less. I think everyone's going to flock towards Lockett, and... Um, as a play straight up, I, I like him about the same, but I tend to want to differentiate lineups when possible. Yeah. It's, it's like you got both sides of it, right? You have the cheaper, so you're going to save salary if you go lock it and you're going to differentiate more if you go Metcalf. So I think they just both have pros and cons. I mean, in a season long or, you know, any sort of a league, uh, that's a really hard call this week. Cause like I said, with Metcalf going against Ramsey, they're, they're like 
almost exactly identical for me. So, um, yeah, I think the only reason you'd prefer Metcalf in, in this, you know, in DraftKings is because of differentiating and being low owned, right? Right. And it won't even be that big of a differentiation because I, I still think both are going to be pretty owned. Mm. I think the hardest choice that I'm going through right now, a wide receiver is to Devonte Adams or not right. to Devonte Adams. I mean, nine is K, 9K, yeah. which is expensive. That's 1300 he, more than Hopkins who's number two. So that yes. is just incredibly expensive. He needs about 25 fantasy points just to get like a points per salary. That's even with the projections of the other players. Yeah. I'm so, avoiding, I'm, I'm going to say it, stay away from him. Uh, your funeral. <laughs> no, I mean it really could be. It's tough. It's just that it's just that in this game. I mean, you think about game script. Uh, the, the Packers don't have to do much to beat the, the Jaguars. So, in the last couple of games with Adams going off, it was they were really you know tough games, and they he did contribute to them getting up big when they did, and he could definitely do that again. But you got Aaron Jones back, so I don't know. Well, you kind of brought up my next thought is. You're going to want a piece of this Packers offense. They've got one of the highest projected point totals on the week. So if you're going Aaron Jones, you don't play Devontae Adams. If you're not playing Aaron Jones, I'd probably try to find a way to stick Devontae Adams in there. Um, Kind of makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And I think this is one of the easier weeks to play people. I mean, I think the salary is relatively soft because you got a starting running back at 4K plugged in everywhere. Right. And being able to do that just opens up a lot of doors. So what are your thoughts on, let me see, McLaurin this week? Now, he is 6.8, and he's sort of in this mid-range. How do you like him versus, say, Keenan Allen, for example? Uh, Keenan Allen is uh, 7,100. I guess he's 300 more than McLaurin. Uh, I think the reason I'm not big on Keenan Allen this week, I think he's going to be pretty heavily owned. Uh, but I think the Miami, again, the Miami defense against the pass is really good and really improving. I did not realize till this past week, they have two of the highest paid corners in the league. They went out and got two great corners and they're both playing well. Plus they drafted a couple guys and I guess that's why they've been so good against the pass. Plus, you know, their coach is a defensive mastermind. So um, I, that doesn't mean that, you know, Keenan Allen can go off. Plus he specializes in, you know, shorter, uh, receptions and his route running is excellent. He's going to get his probably, but I'm going to lean more toward McLaurin, uh, in that if I'm choosing, especially because the Detroit defense is just putrid. I also think McLaurin will be much, uh, lower owned. So I think that is from a GPP perspective, probably the right call. I mean, when you look at players like this, they have projections that are within like one point of one another. Right. They have closed ceilings, and as a general piece of advice for daily fantasy sports, for the people that don't play it that much, when in doubt, if you got people with similar projections, I tend to lean to the lower-owned guy if there isn't a clear uh, differentiator. That is the best way to not end up in 50th or 60th percentile placement. Right. Um, one thing people do when they start DFS is they, they just take all the top guys. And you'll be right more often than not, but when you are right and everybody else is right, you tend to finish in like maybe the 70th, 80th percentile. And uh, that's probably the biggest mistake people make when they start um, daily fantasy sports. They think, I know football. I know who's good. I can tell that this guy's a value. And then they play them, and then the ownership's high, 
and then they end up in the same place as everyone else. Right. When right the real the money is made, when everyone's on someone and they're wrong. Right. So you have to be willing to be in the bottom ten percent if you're wrong, you know, and everybody else is right. But if you're right, you give your chance, get yourself a chance uh, to be in that top five percent. Absolutely. Everyone complains about the hundred and fifty entry guys, but a little secret is that oftentimes those people that enter 150 lineups don't cash even one of them. I would say that's a much higher percentage than you think because most of those lineups are very close to one another with a very tight player pool. So they go in knowing that there's a good chance they're not going to cash one lineup if it goes wrong, but they, they make hard stands, and if they're right, they win big, and if they're wrong, they lose big. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, the only uh, hesitation I'd mentioned before we move off that is McLaurin uh, has Alex Smith thrown to him, like I said. So um, I, I'm hesitant to start McLaurin at, like in my leagues until I see Smith actually able to move the offense with a little more, um, you know, passing skill. But yeah, a lot of upside if he does figure it out quickly. Just a few other plays uh, I wanted to mention or ask your thoughts on. Um, certainly the uh, Rams receivers, Woods and Cup, for me, are excellent plays. They're 66 and 6,900, so kind of in that middle range, but upper middle range. I think they'll both pay off um, if, if this game goes like we think it will. Um, will Fuller, 6,700, seems like a good play against Cleveland. Um, with he, you know he he's been producing pretty much every week. I think he has touchdowns in almost every game this season so that he's played. So he's a solid play. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on Michael Thomas and Deontay Johnson, uh, two plays that I think could hit but could easily bust. Well, I like Deontay Johnson a lot. Now I think he's he just keeps getting hurt, but when he hits, he hits big and. Uh, Juju's a little bit banged up from what I've been reading. Mm-hmm. So Deontay might get some more work. Uh, Claypool hasn't really uh, seen the field as much as you would like. Now, he's on the field more last game, but in general, his usage just hasn't been there uh, yet. So if Deontay is healthy, I think he is a great, very low ownership, probably 2 to 4% kind of guy. He's 5,200, so just the value is really great. Really good value. I think they're definitely factoring in that he's had less than three fantasy points because he's gotten hurt on in three separate games this year, mm-hmm. to my counting. Yeah, because uh, he hurt his back once. He got a concussion another time, and I think there was an ankle. Hamstring bang a third something. Time. Yeah. A hamstring, yes, yeah. hamstring. Actually, no, that was a scare. He went back into the game, so that one Last didn't week, count. yeah, but it, it was he didn't produce, right? So, yeah, uh, four times. He's been hurt four times in-game this year. Yeah, it's awful. Now, talking Michael Thomas, uh, that's just sort of a big unknown. Right. If he is the normal Michael Thomas, he's great. Um, I don't know if he's there yet. Would you consider playing him like in GPPs this week? Yeah. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Yeah. I'll, I'll sprinkle him in. But when I think Michael Thomas, the biggest thing I think of is that he's probably going to cut into the passing game work of Alvin Kamara. Right. So if you are playing me in fantasy sports, don't expect me to be playing a lot of Kamara this week. You just won't see him in many of my lineups until I know more about how much Michael Thomas will sort of impact the whole situation. Yeah, and I mean, if he returns, the thing I was thinking is he's 7,400. If he returns to being a 10 to 12 target guy some of these upcoming weeks, uh, he's going to really pay off, right? I mean, if he he were to get eight catches and a touchdown this week, that's, uh, that's an easy... 
Easy start. You will smash value. Right. So maybe he's a good time to maybe it's a good time to play him. You'll get him uh before his price goes up. Right. That's what I was Always thinking. Always worth considering. Yep. So let's move on to tight end, which is a rather barren position this week. I mean, the chalk is only two guys. It's Darren Waller and Dallas Godare or Dallas Goddard. Uh, let's stick with Godare. For, That's really it's for the, beautiful. For the layman, the way you say that. Very very French. <laughs> uh, they're they're going to be like uh, I don't know, fifteen to twenty percent each. Then maybe Tanyan will be the third most owned guy, and then everyone else I've got sub ten percent. Now, why do you think Goddard's going to be high? Just the price. He is only forty-two. Four, yeah, forty-two hundred. It's against the Eagles, and he's just got a track record of being good. Now, last week was his first week back. I think people will forgive that. And uh, if you just go onto the interwebs, he's just been one of those guys everyone's been talking up. Hmm, okay. And uh, you know, buzz can really you know alter ownership so if everyone's saying play goddard play goddard that tends to move ownership up mm-hmm. now those are the only two guys i'm going to be playing this week i, I love darren waller i think 5900 is too cheap and i think goddard is too cheap at 4200 um the only other guy i'd be considering at all is hunter henry at 4100 as a pivot i don't think uh i mean miami i don't think is a great matchup for tight ends but for his talent level, I think it's good. And if you had a gun to my head, Noah Fant would be my fourth choice. And after that, I'm not really interested in anybody. Interesting. Yeah, I um, a few guys I have down. Evan Ingram at 4,500 against uh, the, the uh, Eagles. Eagles defense has been really terrible against the tight end. I mean, Ingram is not exciting but you figure they're going to be behind and throwing it. and um, He has some really exciting drops. Yeah. You know, he he's just a maddening player, but, I mean, he's a guy that I like at his price of 4500 I think that's very affordable. I agree on Waller. I also, you didn't mention Hawkinson, but he's been maybe the second-best tight end or third-best tight end of late playing against the Redskins. I'm sorry, the Washington football team. What do you think about yes, him I at 50, he's, uh... 51? If you want to know how bad the position is this year, I think I think Hawkinson is tight end four yeah. on the year, something like that. But he's been scoring a lot. I mean, it's a bad offense, but he's been a lot targeted every week. He's a guy I'd consider. It's just such a crap position. <laughs> it's so bad. And then, the, if you want to go cheap, cheaper than even um, Goddard, I would consider Higby at thirty-seven hundred. Uh, he's been. One of the more maddening players at the position for me because I drafted him maybe in 20% of my leagues and he's done nothing. But in DFS this week, he's 3700 I mean, he's almost um, almost at the bottom price of you know, 3000 is about as cheap as you go. And he's playing Seattle. Again, one of the worst pass defenses in the league. If Seattle finds a way to take away Cup or Woods and, the, you know, if McVeigh gets his head out of his butt and decides to start targeting Higby, uh, he could go off, you know, just like he did last season. I'll take your Higby and raise you Gerald Everett. Yeah, and Everett too. He's thirty one hundred. Thirty one hundred yeah. has a, um, according to like some of the places I look, he's like, he's projected for higher than Higby, which is yeah. If things upsets continue, me greatly. Yeah, things continue that he's been yes. getting a few more targets. Yes, I don't understand McVeigh. I don't either. All I know about McVeigh is that his non-football life looks about as superb as can be. <laughs> he's got a beautiful home. <laughs> 
dates supermodels. I mean, he doesn't look like he's living a coach life. He's he's definitely not like living the Andy Reid life. Yeah, but if you can't get you know Higby involved, what good is your life? You know. Um, if you don't have him in fantasy, it's probably not that bad. <laughs> Just kidding. Actually, <laughs> it's guys uh, like me that who drafted him in the seventh round everywhere and season long that are hurting. Yeah, exactly. I think Higby and Everett are both good plays, though not good plays maybe, but sneaky plays. They could both pay off. And then one final guy I'll mention is Logan Thomas. Uh, I have this guy in so many of my my leagues, and um, he's not exciting, but the guy literally plays 100% of snaps in most weeks. He's out there for every single play. So if you compare him to a guy uh, like, a, like a Higby or like a Trey Burton, some of these guys with, with upside, um, they're playing 40 to 60% of snaps. Even Mark Andrews is playing 50 to 60% of snaps. And Logan Thomas is splitting with nobody. Uh, he's had between four and 10 targets every game this season. So just from a, from a floor standpoint, again, he's got Alex Smith throwing to him, but they're playing Detroit. So I would definitely throw Logan Thomas into a few lineups. Well, we've just, uh, you know, scraped the very bottom of the barrel (laughs) while we're there. I guess I could throw out Greg Olson at 2,500, uh, which is the bare minimum, Mm -hmm. but there's a 50, 50 chance that he'll give you zero zero fantasy points. Yep. He might goose egg you. Well, and that's the thing with Logan Thomas. I know it's an it's an ugly name, but he's eight hundred more than Olson, and he's not giving you a zero. I mean, he might give you eight, but it's going mean, to be. He's, he's living the two first names life. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's finish this up with defense, right? Who's the chalk there? Oh man, is there such a thing as a chalk defense? I well, I, I guess I guess so. Um, looking at projections, I, I guess Seattle. Um, for some reason, Seattle is projected to be the most owned, which is a little surprising to me. They are 2,300. And then uh, Green Bay at 3,700 against Jacksonville are the two most highly projected ownership defenses this week. Yeah, I figured the Packers would be. Uh, I am surprised at Seattle, but now that I think about it, you know, the Rams offense has been ugly, and this is a divisional game, so maybe they're thinking it'll be a either a blowout or like a slugfest. Yes, but they are not the defenses that I like this week. Now, for me, they are there are uh, three defenses that are cheap that stand out. Um, if you know me and, uh, and and how I go at DFS, I want, as a rule, a defense that is cheap, that is a home team, and that is a favorite, because those situations lead to getting leads with noise, in a non-COVID world, mm-hmm. and that usually leads to more blitzing, uh, more turnovers, more defensive touchdowns. There is a recorded correlation between all those things. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, my top defense this week is the Saints at 3K. I, I think that they are home against San Francisco, who is super mistake-prone. They're on a, a quarterback that hasn't looked good at all. I could just see that game being a disaster for San Francisco. Mm-hmm. My second defense is Detroit because they are the home team against Washington. Now, Washington is going to be with the not very mobile Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. So that's another backup quarterback situation where it could go south really, really fast, especially if Washington can't run the ball. It could be a train wreck. And that could be very good for the Detroit defense, even though Detroit is not a good defense. And my last defense, this is a bit off the board. I mean, I don't think many people will be playing this at all, but it's actually the Cincinnati Bengals. Hmm. Now, 
I don't care if a defense is good or bad. I only look at these things from a fantasy perspective. And the reason I'm bringing up Cincinnati is because they are only 2,200, which is probably the... 21. 2,100. Even better. Uh, They are the second cheapest defense on the slate. And why would I play a defense against Pittsburgh? It's because Big Ben is injured. Mm -hmm. He is on a hobbly knee. He cannot move. He will get sacked at a much higher rate. It may not even play. It may be Mason Rudolph because Ben is in, on the COVID protocol. I, I think COVID will, I think he'll, I think he'll eventually get cleared by just the sounds of things. But if he doesn't, even better. It, you know, since his ownership will just go up. But if they play against Rudolph, automatic number one defense everywhere. If it's against uh, Big Ben on a hobbled knee, uh, he can't really move in the pocket. Well, plus he probably wouldn't have practiced much, right? Oh, no, he'll have no practice. That'll make a difference, and he can't move in the pocket. Mm -hmm. Now, these top quarterbacks, you know, they don't get sacked that much because they move in the pocket very well. They have great awareness. Big Ben doesn't get sacked a lot, not because he's, like, big and hard to take down. It's because he's actually got really good footwork. He moves up in the pocket well. He knows how to roll out, but he got hit quite a few times, and he made some really bad back leg throws when he came back into the game last week after that injury. You know, he was hesitant. He was trying to protect his knee. He couldn't move. So that's why my sort of off-the-board defense will be the Bengals at 2,100. So who do you like, Kevin? Yeah, I have two uh, two others off the board that I really like. Uh, that is the uh, Raiders against Denver. Uh, Raiders are at home. I know Denver's de- uh, Denver, Denver's offense has looked better, but the Raiders are only 2,500. Um Drew Locke, if he likes to do anything, he likes to chuck it up there. And uh, if it gets intercepted, oh, well, they'll just chuck it up there again next time. So I could easily see, especially if the Raiders get ahead, get a 10-point lead or something, they could uh, they could get a couple uh, a big big plays, even a pick six, something like that. So I like the Raiders. I also like Houston. They're not a home team, uh, but they're playing Cleveland. Uh, Baker Mayfield is banged up, may not play. Even if he does, he stinks. And I could easily see Houston getting a big lead on Cleveland um it, even on the road if that happens uh they could easily make some big plays maybe jj watt finally gets going so those are two i kind of like that are cheap and houston's only 2400 I, I like it drew lock actually leads the league in the highest percentage of deep throws of 20 yards or more yeah and he's got the highest uh um a dot um in terms of uh quarterbacks here his right. average toss distance is like 10.1 yards which by the way is the farthest ball thrown by drew Brees this entire season wow that's not a true fact but i'm just making fun of drew Brees. <laughs> it's okay it's, it's, it's almost it was believable. believable that's the sad part yeah i, mean, I think <laughs> my god drew Brees almost has like a negative a dot that's funny oh the fact that you even thought about that for a split second is great <laughs> oh man uh, that was fun i i hope hopefully that was helpful to folks uh hearing all these uh thoughts about the plays i'm sure we missed a few that are good plays but just uh, our initial thoughts hopefully will help you uh, also with your leagues uh, as you consider who to play and what matchups are our potential uh, shootouts and, and big scoring opportunities. So uh, we, we appreciate you listening. Uh, if you want to follow the follow us on Twitter, we'd love to interact with you. I'm at Kevin Scott FF. Kyle is at Kyle Leaf. The show is at the Lowdown FF pod. And again, like we always say every week, uh, we'd love it if you give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That would help us out. Thank you so much for listening. For Kyle Leaf and our producer, Mark Bobber. I am Kevin Scott. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.
And remember, play Mike Davis. Oh, 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 oh,